today on CityCast Pittsburgh. You may not know Sarah McAlee by face, but believe me, you know her soups. And if you don't, you should. She goes by Brothmonger, and she's got recipes that would put the soup Nazi out of business. But her soup is for you. It's for everyone. We're with the Northside Soup Liberty herself. It's Tuesday, February 22nd. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Sarah, I've been lurking your page for like at least a couple of years. Awesome. So what drew you to the broth? Um, Well, I have always been pretty good at making soups since I started cooking. I just had like so much to learn, but I was pretty much good at making soup kind of like right away. And then a couple years ago, somebody on Facebook, I think was like, I'm really sick right now. Where can I get some good soup in Pittsburgh? And I was just like, you can't. Like, there's <laughs> there's nowhere. And even all of the people who replied to her post were like, I mean, Max and Irma's has good soup. Max and Irma's. Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of answer is that? Like, Eaton Park and stuff like that. Since then, I will say, that was in 2018. So since then, tons of places have opened since 2018. There's tons of great soup in Pittsburgh now. But I was like, the only place that you can get the good soup is at my house. So I <laughs> I made her some soup and then I took it over to her. And at the time I was working the counter at Badamo's Pizza Shop and I started just like telling Anthony the owner like I would love to just like sell soup to people here and he was very encouraging and ultimately ended up being like why don't you just like make an Instagram and start doing it on Instagram so he pretty much like put the fire under me about doing it so I started doing it and then after a couple months of doing it I ran into Rick Seaback at the vintage mixer Anthony was selling pizza there I was working the counter for him And I had met Rick a couple of times, so I was already comfortable with him. And he came over and got some pizza. And I was like, hey, I just started selling soup. And he was like, I love soup. And he bought soup for me, like, at that moment, gave me money. And then the next day came came over to my house and picked up soup for me. Then he, like, posted about it on his Instagram and his Facebook. And I went from, like, 200 followers to 700 followers in, like, 24 hours pretty much. And then uh, it just like blew up from there and continued to get more and more popular. And I just continued to get more and more followers. Um, So then it was like kind of kind of just like blew up and was crazy. But yeah, that whole that whole sentence is like very Pittsburgh. I know. know. Pizza soup. Well, you're selling you're selling your soups now out of uh, Mayfly Market on the north side. Right. How did that how did that come about? Yeah, so Anne, the woman who owns Mayfly, messaged me on Instagram and she said that her chef was leaving. The only hole that they were going to need to fill with his absence is somebody to make soup and she said that one of her employees had told her that I was looking for a new arrangement. She said, you know, maybe some sort of partnership can be worked out here. So I went in there and met with her and then I held a pop-up there that was super popular. Soup, super popular. <laughs> yeah, totally. So you you moonlight essentially as brothmonger, but your day job, you're a funeral director. Absolutely. How did you get into that profession? I grew up in Johnsonburg, Pennsylvania. 
it's a super small town. There's like a paper mill there. Um, but I have a huge family that's all from there. So I like was around death from a very young age. My actually my uncle died in a motorcycle accident before it was born. And then my cousin died in a motorcycle accident when I was 12. Just lots of death. Like there's a lot of like drinking and driving around my town. But um, I just kind of like looked around and noticed that my family and people in general are so bad at dealing with death. And when it happens to them, it kind of ruins their lives. And, you know, it's so tragic and transformative. And I never really felt that way. I always had a very realistic look at it. And, you know, I just thought it it didn't really have to be like that. And it was always, I don't know, such like a weird thing to me that people didn't know how to deal with something that's going to happen to everyone that you know, and, and yourself and everyone that you love. So I just really wanted to help people get through that really difficult time in their life, but also educate them before it happened so that they can be ready for it. So I, I've also been like, I've always been just like a creep and like a morbid weirdo. (laughs) Well, you're a Scorpio. Yeah. Like my mom was always like, I was always like shaving my Barbie's heads and like hanging, hanging them from my bunk bed. And she was like, I think that this girl's going to be a serial killer when she grows up. But the complete opposite. You're a funeral director and you're making suits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally not. Totally not a murderer. But like as soon as I graduated high school, I moved to Pittsburgh and went to mortuary school and it worked out great. It ended up being exactly what I wanted and I loved it so much. And I've been, that was in 2010. So I've been working in funeral homes since 2010. But what is your, what does your day kind of look like doing that? Um, It's always different. There's a lot of hurry up and wait in my industry. Some people say like it's feast or famine. Like you sit around and do nothing for five days in a row and then you get like three death calls in two hours and then you have to scramble around and figure out everything. But typically like I would go into work. Sometimes somebody would have died in the middle of the night the night before. So I'll go into work and embalm that person. And then um, we have two locations. So I'll go in and embalm and then I'll go into my office. And sometimes I have to then meet with the family of the person who I've just embalmed. And so I call them and express my condolences to them and kind of figure out what kind of funeral they would want. And then they come into the funeral home answer any questions that they have and kind of like plan the arrangements, plan the funeral or like burial or cremation, try to do everything that I possibly can to make it as easy as possible on them. And then um, from there, I call churches and cemeteries and uh, priests and all kinds of different places to plan everything. It's kind of like some funeral directors say that planning a funeral is like planning a wedding, but it's in like two days instead of (laughs) a year. So yeah, then I do all of that. And then I have to do a bunch of paperwork. And then we dress the person and put makeup on them and put them in their casket or take them to the crematory. It all just depends on what fits best with that family and what they want and all that stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much everything. So you make soups and you're also a funeral director, what's your busy season for both of those? Like, what's your busy season as a funeral director and your busy season here in Pittsburgh making soups? Do people want soups all the time? Um, But my busiest time for both is November. Um, Oddly enough, like, November and December are always... And it's, like, statistically true. I think that if you asked any funeral director, they'd probably say the same thing. But November and December around the holidays is always the busiest time for people to die uh, for whatever reason. 
is there a soup that you typically would like give to people when they're grieving or that you recommend? Yeah, I I like to give people chicken noodle soup um, or like a like a lemon chicken soup. Um, and I try to like I really those are the ones that I pr- or like a, a wedding soup, just something that is kind of like traditional that is kind of like inarguable that people mostly like. Like my one of my very good friends who used to work at the funeral home, his son died and he's Greek. So I gave him some lemon chicken orzo soup. And, you know, he was very, very grateful for that. But I I mean, and it doesn't even have to be soup. Literally, like anything that you make that you make at home that you can give to somebody, they're going to be very appreciative of it. And, you know, anything that you're comfortable making and giving to somebody, that's what you should make and give to them. And they'll be very happy to have it. I'm going to ask you one last sort of like question and then we're going to do like some rapid fire questions about soup. Sounds good. Um, So, okay, if Pittsburgh were a soup, what soup would it be? I said stuffed cabbage. Yeah, it, that's what I was. It it would be like uh like kielbasa, cabbage, and potato, like a pierogi soup. A pierogi soup. We're we're you know poor food, if anything. Totally. Um. Okay. Rapid fire questions. What makes a good broth? Time. T i m e. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect to be that simple. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like ready to write things down. Okay. Uh. What soups have you made lately that you felt like you really outdid yourself? Okay, I made one for, I actually have a newsletter now where I've been publishing recipes and stuff and writing, which has been a very fun new, I'm sorry, this isn't a rapid answer, but. No, but that's the broth mailer. Yeah, broth mailer. I made a soup the other day for it, and it's a lentil and chicken soup, but I, like, burned a bunch of onions before putting the lentils and the chicken broth in, and it's, like, a very long-cooked chicken broth, so it's just, like, and I used, like, really nice expensive lentils um, and gave it to a bunch of people, including my sister-in-law, and she, like, took it back to St. Mary, my hometown and was like, oh, my God, this is the best soup ever, uh, but, yeah, I ate that soup and was like, whoa, what the heck did I just do it was very it's it's a very good one and I'm excited about it yeah most underrated soup ingredient I think it's beans like I think that people just haven't given beans their due (laughs) (laughs) beans deserve a chance beans are the best man like a, a couple of things went through my my mind like miso but I don't think miso is underrated I think people give miso it's fair shake but like I don't know if like a ham and bean soup People who like ham and bean soup like that, but people who thinks that, think they don't like beans aren't going to try that soup. Like beans, man. Beans are where it's at. Beans are where it's at. <laughs> Sarah, Scorpio soup lover, bean lover. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a blast and I was very happy to do it. And now some news. Pittsburgh Public Schools are looking for its next superintendent. This person will replace Anthony Hamlet, who left last year after an investigation found that he broke a Pennsylvania ethics law. The new gig might be a tough sell, though, because the district has been struggling for years with poor test scores, getting teachers to stay, paying for all the buildings it owns, and then some. So good luck with the search. There's a great story from Public Source, which you should check out. Reporter Rich Lord makes property assessments seem almost approachable, but it's not for good reasons. In Pittsburgh, the average black homeowner pays property taxes at about a 7 to 8% higher rate than the typical white homeowner. 
There's a cool art project at the Mattress Factory that explores this, too. We'll put the link in our show notes. And some good news for bobblehead collectors and my dad. Five Pittsburgh Negro League players are getting their own bobbleheads. They're big, they're bronze, and they're a little expensive. $35 each or $6.25 for their Field of Legends puzzle set. It's a fundraiser for the Negro League Baseball Museum, and it coincides with the founding of the National Negro League in 1920. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you enjoyed the show, post about us on your favorite socials. Reviews help other people find us too. And be sure to subscribe to our morning newsletter. Francesca is always behind the scenes here, bringing you the best Pittsburgh has to offer. We'll be back tomorrow morning. We're going daily with more news from around the city. We'll see you then. I ask the important questions.